complex of occasions, themselves a geometry of spatial nature. I have this sense that I am one with my skin. Plus this, plus I think probably the last time I heard you read was probably here in Asheville, like 2018. Yeah, like years four, ago. More and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like the first time I met you, too. Um, yeah. 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 We, had a, we had a good long hang over that weekend or whatever <laughs> days of the week we were there. Yeah. Yeah. That was with uh, Traveling Appalachians. Yeah. 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 Traveling Appalachians Review. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And that's no longer a thing anymore. And that's kind of dissipated. Everybody kind of like left, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the different organizers kind of moved to different places. And um, I think that people were already um, people were already feeling like they were maybe needing a break from it. Um, and then the pandemic happened and, um, you know, somebody had a baby and, and, you know, just all kinds of stuff happened, but, um, that kind of, uh, scattered, scattered that group of people. Um, but I don't know, I don't see any reason why some form of it couldn't come back sometime. Um, I mean, a lot of those people still live, you know, in the area. Um, but I think like, uh, Howard and Hannah and some of the other folks that have been organizing it just, uh, you know, I like they just had different other stuff going on in their life. Um, so it was cool. You know, I did it for, I did it for three years, three summers or three tours. Yeah. Um, and it was a really cool way to get, I got to go see, I got to go to a bunch of places around West Virginia that I'd never been to. You know, we had a show in 2019, we had a show at the Mine Wars Museum in Maitwan, where like the Maitwan massacre was. And, you know, we've just got to go to all kinds of places that are normally sort of difficult to uh, end up in, you know, because yeah. of either how remote they are or one reason or another. So it was a cool yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. How long did how long did the tours go? Like when did when was the first year that they started? Mm, I have 2015 maybe yeah that's a good run though yeah it did yeah so I think it I think there were five years of it there was yeah. five years of it yeah that's sick that's uh, so cool the uh yeah so reading at the mine wars museum and like all of the you know like different places where you probably in the area in West Virginia of course but also you know in the larger Appalachian area places where you like might not encounter some some you know poetry or whatever mm-hmm. music of that type and things like that that was really cool yeah we did Boone and then we did Asheville for two nights if I remember correctly yeah. that, that's what was cool about it, is that we got to see you know we would go to little like we'd go to we did a show at the coffee shop in 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 Philippi, which is a tiny little place you know right in the middle of West Virginia we did we went to Maywan but then we also got to go to you know, some of the, you know, bigger and more hip towns, like in there, like just, it was cool to kind of see the whole spectrum of things that are going on in the region. Um, as far as what's happening in the little towns to what's going on in a place like Asheville, right. There's a little bit of everything and it's been, uh, you know, popping off for a long time over there. Um, so yeah, it was cool to get to see the spectrum of different kinds of, uh, communities in the region just by uh and all you had to do was just you know accept the fact of you know you know like eating you know nothing but french fries for 10 days and having (laughs) you know incurable swamp ass um (laughs) yeah yeah nobody yeah yeah but i mean like how was that experience like since we're already talking about it you know like reading in those small towns versus and like reading in those larger places did you feel like a like just in terms of like sharing your work did you feel like a like a kinship in certain places uh maybe like i don't know 
that that you felt like your work kind of spoke to that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of area? Um, yeah, I, I I feel like I usually found that um, the places where I sort of expected it to be like the steepest, you know, climb to um, get across to people ended up being some of the best experiences. Like I mentioned Philippi and, um, you know, like a whole bunch of people from the community came out for it. People who, you know, people we didn't know, older folks, uh, people more, uh, younger people, folks that are from the university there. Um, and, you know, we had an amazing experience there. We had an amazing experience, um, you know, in Maitwan as well. Um, we always got a good reception in Charleston. We always gotten a, always got a good reception in, in Thomas, which is where I live now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I felt like it was, I was honestly kind of blown away at how consistently positive the feelings were everywhere that we went. I think that people were just happy, um, that, there was something like that going on. And also because the whole point was that we'd bring our little crew to do our thing. And then we try to scoop up as many local people as possible to get them on the bill. And so it made for a fun and fun environment just by the way it was structured. Cause if you, if you're rolling into town with a bunch of people who are ready to like drink and smoke and fucking, you know, <laughs> and share their stuff and be vulnerable or whatever. And then you also say, but we also got like five local performers and all of those people are going to tell their friends that they're at that thing. And then all those people come up. I mean, it's just, I, I can't really think of, at least for me, you know, we had, a, we had like a couple of shows where, we like where like the venue itself was problematic. Like we had one show where we were in a place that was way too big. And there was like a huge bachelorette party going on while people were trying to read poems. Um, and I remember when we were at that place, um, Howard Parsons walked up to me and he, and he whispered and we were like five minutes into the show. He walked up to me and whispered in my ear. He said, he said, well, this is a fucking disaster. <laughs> uh, but that didn't really have anything to do with the people that were on the bill or it would just happen to be that it like, that wasn't quite the right spot for that show. But yeah, it was, yeah. I, I can't really think of any place that I didn't have some kind of positive, memorable interaction. We went as far as, you know, Lexington, Kentucky to Athens, Ohio, was Frederick, Maryland on the East side. Mostly it was in West Virginia, but um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was such a cool way just to get out there and meet a bunch of people that are living in the region. Um, and it was always great because you know, with every year, Howard and other people who would put it on would figure out ways to get more like local people involved at each stop. Um, and so by 2019, you know, we, we, you know, we had all kinds of people coming out for, for it. So it was cool. Yeah. That's, that's what I always really enjoyed about it was just like, yeah, the local flavor that y'all were able to kind of bring in, but that's also the way to do it. I mean, you know, just having like a community of people there, you know, that you can pull from that you can also showcase is I always thought, I always really enjoyed that. So maybe, maybe in the future it can come back, you know, I don't see why not. That'd be sick. Yeah. I think, I, I think that, um, some of the stuff that I, I think that there is, uh, um, some, that model of show has kind of gained some traction, um, at least in, in this area. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily because of TAR, but I, I was involved in, in shows, um, in Thomas over the summer, where, you know, I would, I would MC and, uh, my friend Heather Hannah would, would organize them and book them and set them up. And then I would, I would MC and, um, and those shows were set up very much like a, like a, uh, like a Trav app, yeah. um, performance where it would be, except that it was always in the same place. So there would sort of be like same thing, like core of locals, right. Um, who would be there to kind of you know, fill out the show and then try to bring in, you know, other people from outside. Um, 
and the shows were, you know, they were, they were long. All kind, I mean, all kinds of people would roll through um, for that stuff. And we we had like a cool outdoor spot for it. And I just I love that. I love that kind of setup for for a show. You know, I mean, the only trade off with it is that sometimes they're just like they're so long. Right. And, um, you know. And you kind of have to, you know, you got to take your take your smoke breaks or whatever, but like uh I just say, yeah, the, the more people that you can get involved, the, the better, right? I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather have like a nice big showcase of people doing shorter sets than, you know, picking two or three people to, um, you know, put on a pedestal. Um, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but, um, that setup for a show just makes for a better hang. It's like a better, it's a better party, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Fun. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're in, uh, you're in Thomas now. When did you make that move? Cause you, when I met you, you were living in like, uh, and when I visited you, you were yeah. living in Elkins, which yeah. is a really cool, really yeah. cool spot. You know, we, yeah. we went to the, we went to the fire tower. We ate empanadas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Andy drove the, the, the Willis, wagon up under the fire tower <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i wasn't sure if we were gonna make it but we yeah. did he, he's always he's always doing shit like that um i remember riding on the wheel wells in the back <laughs> and they were getting pretty hot so i was like maybe we we're gonna yeah. stall out but he, he drove it. that he drove that fucking thing across the country he bought it out in out in northwest flew out to the northwest and picked it up and then drove it drove it across the country um what model so, was it what year model i don't remember maybe like a 1940 or 50 something I'm, yeah. I'm the wrong i'm the wrong guy to ask but you know he's a mechanic so i generally feel pretty secure when he's doing stupid shit in cars he's you know <laughs> you know he's my he's like my best friend so i've got a lot of experience uh um, seeing how things pan out on uh, yeah. different drives to different places. Um, I moved up to Thomas about mm, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Nice. So like a pandemic move. Yeah. Pandemic move for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was still working in Elkins, um, uh, for like the first 10 months that I lived here. So I had kind of a hellacious commute, but, um, other than that, um, I really enjoyed moving up here. This is an interesting place because 20, 25 years ago, the, Thomas and Davis, the two towns here that are right next to each other. I don't know if, if have you, have you been to this area before? And uh, it's like 35 miles, like North of Elkins. It's pretty close by. Um, yeah. Whenever I was, whenever I would drive like to Pittsburgh, I remember seeing signs, but I can't say that mm -hmm. I've ever actually like went through the area. Yeah. Um, 20 or 25 years ago, these towns, it, these, it was just kind of like the shells of these two, of these two coal towns. Right. And then, um, and then, uh, there, I got a music venue, that ended up getting established in Thomas, the purple fiddle, which is kind of like the main notable local landmark in town here. And, um, you know, this kind of like a slow change over time where um people people just kind of uh, little by little started to trickle in here there's a big tourist economy here because people go skiing and um it's an interesting place because downtown thomas is uh really small and it's full of like you know like Asheville type shops and stuff. It's one street of them. Right. And that's pretty much it. But then, you know, but then you're still like right in the middle of coal country, more or less. Right. Yeah. Um, so um, it's an interesting dynamic up here. It's, it's a rapidly um, changing and growing place for sure. It's been kind of, um, ascendant you know in that direction for a long time um but i really like it up here it's it's a you know i i i work in a kitchen i work in a restaurant so i i deal with fucking tourists all day every day and that's pretty taxing but um it's a great community here there's a lot of creative people and um a lot of little uh hovels and hidey holes to escape into when you yeah. want to you know just like be with your be with your buddies and, and, uh, 
you know, have a fire. It's, it's beautiful here, obviously, you know, and there's lots mm-hmm. of outside shit to go and do. Um, so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, I definitely hear echoes of Asheville, you know, like with the tourist economy and things like that, but it's also like, you know, all over the region, it's like kind of the, the tourist, the, has kind of just, it, it is taxing, man. Like mm-hmm. I, even the other day I was just driving around Biltmore, um, and I, I literally just thought to myself, like, where do these people come from? You know, like, uh, and I know the answer to that. It's mostly Charlotte, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just, it's, yeah. it is kind of, it can really it's like mostly DC. Yeah. 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 It can really screw with you like psychologically and like, feel like, I don't know. For me, it feels like sometimes I'm losing my place or like I, the place that I thought that I was living in isn't actually, you know, a real place that mm-hmm. the real place is just the ones that the tourists come and visit every time, yeah, you know? Totally. Yeah. Um, I've got, yeah. And I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a late comer to this place that I almost feel, um, I feel a little silly complaining about it because there were all of these like artists and young people who showed up here a dozen or more years ago and just bought little spaces where they could have an apartment and a, and a studio and, or, or open up a a business. Um, And those were the people that, you know, laid the groundwork for something, you know, for like bringing some life back to the area. Right. And that kind of core community of like artists and business owners that were here all those years ago, starting that shit up, um, I think always had um, community in mind, always had, you know, always kind of had a thought to like make thing, make things cheap, make things accessible, you know, um, and now that it's like a beacon to tourists from DC now starting to now you're starting to see the 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 slimy real estate motherfuckers um like the people with the real money are you yeah. know finally starting to show up and and uh and it sucks but it's just the type of change that you know that finds places like this and it, it doesn't change the fact that um there's there's so much awesome shit going on around here so many totally. so many cool people and um it's it's laid back it's not competitive you know mm-hmm. um everybody's just kind of there to show up for each other's shit and hang out and exchange ideas and so there's 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 a lot that i love about this place and it you know just kind of have to accept the reality of uh the ways in which that it's changing also you just kind of can't have one without the other in a lot of cases you know there's nothing to draw people there whatsoever then yeah you know so yeah it makes for a pretty difficult place to live in in that case you know yeah it's it's yeah, it's so this there's some give and take here, like you know, just like where where you're at, and and you know, just yeah, it's the tourist economy thing. Um, it feels like a really really weird compromise um, yeah. for um, towns that you know, towns and communities in the region that had their fucking you know economic dignity stripped away from them so many generations ago. Yeah, that's, that's what like, I was gonna ask. Do you see the like? Do you? I mean, I haven't spent much time in like coal country like that and to, to, you know, have lived there. And do you see the tourism like boom as like a continuation of the coal legacy in some ways? I mean, it kind I mean, it, it's, it's extractive in the same way that, yeah. that, that all of those industries are what, you know, what does that place have that somebody else can, can totally. grab for themselves and around here, um, it's a, it's a piece of property. It's there, it's a second home, you know, yeah. it's that kind of shit. So yeah, I mean, the extraction never ends. It never ends. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, yeah, it's just, it's all about the bottom line. It's all about the money. It's all about, you know, like what, what can they gain from this without even any, any, any kind of consideration of the community there, the local culture, anything. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just at a point where, uh, just the, the money, the money. 
And the thing is, is that like I talk to so many people daily. So many of them are people who are traveling through and and uh, they don't even really they don't even really have a concept of it being a problem like that. They they think that um, their their opinion is that the area is beautiful. And so they appreciate it. Right. right, right. And so um, it doesn't seem like it's not problematic to them to, to, if you have money to buy a second home, like to buy a second home. But if you're buying a second home in a place where they're like here, where there is uh, an, a pretty extreme housing crisis, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That, that's such a huge problem here, whether, you know, like Airbnb or uh, yeah, like second vacation homes or any kind of rentals. Yeah. It just takes away what could what could be primary housing for so many people yeah so it's it's just like but i agree with what you're saying it's like you know uh, it, it doesn't take away that it's still a desirable place to live in and uh gives us affords us a lot of play, a lot of things here like a culture a community of people that we want to surround ourselves that we find yeah. inspiring and things like that too so yeah um, so yeah there's 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 you know every day you you kind of just living and living and you know all over this region the way that places are every day you're just kind of making those sorts of concessions you're always you're always that give and take is always happening for um, sure for sure have you um have you ever lived in like a you ever lived in like new york or anything have you ever thought about that because uh, one of the thing, the reason why i ask is just because like you know there's like so much of the world that you know the writing world or the art world or whatever the music world whatever um people in those areas you know inherently get more attention than people in West Virginia for some reason, yeah. you know? So, uh, yeah. You ever thought about like leaving? Um, I lived in, I lived in Baltimore city for like 10 months when I was in my twenties and I had lived in West Virginia for like six years before that. And just kind of came right back. Um, you know, I've lived here for all, for, for, uh, you know, my entire adult life. So, um, with the exception of a couple detours along the way, um, the thought about seriously leaving is not really, uh, not really in, in my mind. I'm, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm, a, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just my home. I, I don't really, yeah. uh, I don't really have, uh, I'm not really sure what I would, what would even become of me if I, <laughs> if I suddenly uh, moved to, you know, New York City. I just kind of feel like I would probably, you know, evaporate. Yeah, same. I have no <laughs> desire to down a, suck down a storm drain and never be seen again or something. Um, yeah, I I have no desire to leave either. I just I think it's like. It is kind of unfortunate how there are so many, you know, um, so many folks who look to those places as like beacons of mm -hmm. artistic innovation and things like that. When I find people in uh, remote areas or smaller towns doing way more interesting stuff that goes on, totally. you, you know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, honestly, it's no shade, no shade towards the cities either, because both things are true. Right. They right. are like in places like in like the major American cities, like as far as writing and the arts and all that stuff is concerned, you know, that's where that's where the money pile is. And, you know, so, so like, yeah, like there is like this egregious, like hoarding of wealth that is concentrated in like big cities. And yet at the same time, there's people doing so much amazing shit in those places. So it's like both thing, both things are true. Um, totally. For me, yeah, it's not my, my concerns about. Cause yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool to, to have more access and more exposure to, um, you know, dynamic shit going on in cities. But for me, my concerns are more practical and logistical than anything. I don't know how I would even, you know, 
I would have to, I would have to save money for so long just, just to like be able to get a deposit on an apartment in yeah, same. Like New York or Chicago or whatever. And then I go there and I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Yeah. What the fuck do I do? <laughs> I, um, so, um, but I, I did like that about living in Baltimore city though, which is that it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a small city. Um, you know, it's less than a million people. And, um, you know, I found that once I got my feet on the ground there, I did, you know, run into like, like-minded folks and got to do some cool stuff and see some cool stuff. Um, but no, man, like I've, I've lived in West Virginia since I was literally a teenager. So I, this, I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably just going to, just gonna hang I'm just gonna keep hanging yeah i totally yeah i totally hear that man so i do um i do want to talk a little bit about your work and uh and your music too if that's cool for sure um, yeah because i haven't got to talk to you since um well wizard clip since you started wizard clip yeah. uh tell yeah. me a little bit about that and maybe like maybe some folks listen aren't super familiar so maybe you can break it down for us um, yeah, so I, when I first moved to Elkins, um, uh, 15 or more years ago, I, um, started learning how to play five string banjo because there's a big community of, um, traditional musicians in that area. And, uh, I was immersed in that for a really long time. And then, um, when the pandemic hit and I found myself playing music, alone on my own you know uh pretty much all the time um i started to just write more music where before i had played mostly things that came from a uh, traditional repertoire like southern fiddle and banjo repertoire um so i was writing more music i was writing tunes on five string banjo and electric guitar and um i uh, just kind of got a fire under my ass maybe just from you know need to need to burn off some energy from being cooped up in 2021 i finally decided that oh excuse me that um that uh i would go and i would i, I knew an engineer had worked with him before got uh, uh joe desjarnet down in floyd virginia and I knew that he was good and that he was reasonably affordable and that it would be a good environment for it. So from, I had worked with him on a record with another band I had been in and had known him for a long time. And so I kind of saw the path to it where years before I'd wanted to do a recording project like that, but didn't know how. And then in 2021, those things kind of lined up and I was like, okay, like, I have a job. I think I could save money to go and see this guy and make this record. And I think I've got enough material for it. And then I, w I was talking to my friend, uh, Rebecca Wodarski about it. And she, she said like, Oh, well, I mean, do you, do you want, uh, do you want like accompaniment on the record? And she's an amazing, uh, guitar picker. And I said, yeah, yeah, I would love that. Um, and so we had a couple of months before the recording session to kind of put our heads together. And she wrote all these beautiful guitar parts to this stuff that I had written. So we drove down to Virginia fall of 2021 and recorded the thing in a weekend. And then um, since then, uh, I did a digital, I did digital only release of it. It's on Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, and um, I had I threw a party for it when we put it out, and then I did one show for it in Thomas, and then I did one show for it in Fayetteville, and that's the entire extent <laughs> of of uh, how I've gone out to support the record. I was really just interested in. You know, for me, like just getting to like uh, take all that stuff that I had written and kind of push it to its final form and then actually go down there and record it. You know, that's the part of it that was exciting to me. I actually kind of hate performing music these days or I've like really lost my uh, I've really lost my taste for it. Um, so, yeah, 
Yeah. So it's 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 banjo and guitar tunes and found sound. Um kind yeah, of it's it's really beautiful stuff, man. Like uh I remember when you were on you were on Instagram, I believe, whenever it came out, or at least you promoted it a little on there. And uh through the pandemic, I would always open open the app and see you just like picking banjo outside and I would always look forward to those those videos. And then one day when when you left Instagram there was like a hole in my heart where I couldn't, <laughs> where I couldn't see those videos anymore. Uh, yeah. So then when, when, when this record came out, I have been, it, it, it's really awesome music, man. Like um, you're a great banjo picker and the guitar work on it. Super fun as well. So that's sick. Do you, do you see any like overlap between like your writing and music? I mean, is that, do you kind of keep them separately uh, or, or separate in your brain in order to kind of work on them? Or do you find it like kind of being complimentary in some ways? I think that they're, that they're competitive with each other. Actually. Um, they, they kind of, uh, they, they kind of, they, there's some friction between them because I'm always like, I have a little bit of a hard time, um, just, uh, feeling like the thing that I'm doing at any given time is the right thing. And, and I think, uh, most people, especially creative people can relate to that. Um, totally, so, man. So I go through periods where, um, I'll, when I was making, actually, when I was making Wizard Clip, I, you know, I got so deep into that project and was feeling so, um, so excited about it and so immersed in it that I was actually having these thoughts that I was like, is this going to be the thing that finally frees me from trying to be a writer? <laughs> um, and then, and then the, you know, and then, the cycle kind of went around and, and now I'm, you know, writing more than I ever have been. So they just kind of go and turn. I don't really think that, um, I don't think that they influence each other a whole lot. Um, they, uh, have a particular influence on my life, which is that if I'm really hot on one, then I tend to be a little bit cold on the other. I'm always yeah. doing a little bit of both, no matter what. But um, so for the past, for this past year, um, I've been pretty much just focused on on writing and and playing music very, very casually. You know, just to pick up an instrument for five or ten minutes a day, um, kind of thing. So yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Do you um, do you see like? So when you write like a tune versus when you like write a poem or a story or an essay or things like that, like how is that process a little bit different? Like whenever you're writing music, do you like, does it start like you're just humming a melody and you just jump into it like that? Yeah. I guess I would say that, yeah, there is some, there is a through line there because, uh, everything, yeah, every, everything that I like, I'm not like a conceptual writer. I'm just always writing like a, a, a million billion little, little small things. Right. Um, most of what I do are, are more like more, most of my writing feels more like sketches than anything else. But, um, yeah, it always just starts with a little snippet of something. And then if I get lucky, I can follow it, um, to, something that's more like a composition, but, um, so yeah, um, I would say that, you know, the main difference between them is that for me, it takes me the, the stuff on the wizard clip record was written, um, you know, over the course of 10 years, you know what I mean? Like, um, for me, like writing poems, that kind of stuff, that, that stuff just comes out a little bit faster. Um, cause I feel like I've got more, um, I don't know, my brain is able to kind of seize on those ideas a little bit more effectively. And, and when it comes to, to words, uh, writing music, that goes at such a glacial pace. It takes me forever to, you know, to write a single tune and then I'll never be happy with it. I'll always be like picking it apart and trying to, trying to rebuild it or change it. Um, and that was cool about going and making that record was that I had to kind of finally stop and say, this is what the material is. 
and I've made the commitment. I've booked the time to go and record this shit. So I better just decide that I'm happy with it. And, yeah. and it'll just have to be what it is because otherwise I'll just kind of spin out into infinity. And actually I'm sort of seeing the same process play out right now um, with trying to put together a manuscript, you know, I, thought, well, maybe I should see if I can do something that's book length. Oh, well, and I see I could submit a chat book manuscript to some places. Oh, so I'll try a chat book. And then like, neither of those things happened. I was trying it, you know, in the fall, like when I go through all my, you know, I have a pretty massive backlog of stuff that I, of writing that I just don't even know what to do with. And when I go through it, I definitely have a lot of difficulty, uh, figuring out, um, I don't know. It's hard to look at that stuff objectively and sort it out and decide like what's better, what, what thing is better than the next. Um, and I don't know. I prefer, I definitely, I definitely prefer to sort of get stuff out there in this way, like little one-off, little one-off, um, things like this, um, you know, coming on this is, is awesome. Or if I have like a little get set up to do a little, uh, reading somewhere or publish a couple poems online here and there, or just like make a really basic chat book myself with 15 poems in it. And, you know, just kind of pass that around. I, I have had a little bit of trouble, um, stepping up to bigger projects. Cause for, cause for me, it's like, that's not really the part of it that I'm the most interested in. Um, and because I haven't like, I'm not really like, I kind of made a conscious choice to not like stake anything like financial or, um, on it at all. Um, like I've never had the thought that I would really attempt to like be a professional writer in any form. So for me, I'm just like, it's my thing. So I'll do whatever I want with it. I'll do, I'll do whatever I want with it. Um, and that just means that like, I just kind of, uh, you know, I'll write a little something and I'll be like, Oh, that's cool. I like that. Okay. Well, I'll put it away and I'll never look at it again. And I, I got what I wanted out of it. Right. Um, yeah, I hear I still feel, but then I still feel like this pressure of like, yes, but you should, you should try to take it to the next level and make a manuscript out of it. And I've done it a few times and it's always so fucking frustrating. And I, it's a good exercise every here and there, but like, it's just, yeah, the sitting down and, 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 and working on poems is just something that I do to kind of, you know, keep my brain limber and, and just like enjoy the pleasure of creativity. Um, Totally. Yeah. I hear a lot of echoes of myself in that too. Like, you know, even probably even going to record the record, you know, it was, it sounds like it was pretty, you know, just to have it finalized, right? Like to have it so you could move on and do something else. Right. I find it hard myself when I'm like writing and, uh, I work similar. I, it's very hard for me to put together a full length manuscript. Like I have two that I've been working on for like five years now. And I can't seem to tune them into the right frequencies or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's even like some of the stuff that I've published, it's always like, man, like I should have made some change. I will nitpick things until I'm like, not even sure if it even resembles the initial kind of, uh, goal. And maybe that's cool sometimes, but it's definitely a frustrating part of the process where you're just like, man, I wish I could just finish this so I can move on and do something else. And sometimes I have to have that, that conversation with my brain where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to move on and do something else. Even if this is not, uh, what I thought it would be, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool to see that, uh, I've kind of been chipping away at the music thing for a bit longer than, than, than writing poetry. Um, so I think that just by the circumstance of how much time I had actually put into it, I was finally able to get to a point where I could say, all right, I, I am actually ready to to see this this bigger project through to the end. And uh I don't know, maybe uh maybe a little bit more time goes by and I'll um, you know, 
I don't know. That's just kind of really all that it takes. Like, especially, especially with, with trying to be a writer, it just takes forever. It's a fucking long game and there's nothing you can do about it. There's no way around it. You know, Uh, there's no way around it. It just takes, it takes your whole life to figure out what you're doing with it. And some people uh, are pretty, hot and crackling right from an early age. And, and and that's great. That's never been me. I've always been a late bloomer in all things. And I've kind of accepted that about myself. Um, so I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I do have, I, I do think that I am going to try again to, to get a, a proper manuscript together. Cause there's a, my friend here who runs um, a, a gallery in town he think that he's going to try to sort of see what it's like to run the gallery as to kind of set up like a little press uh through the business that's and awesome so we, yeah and so we've talked about working on something with me where he wants to like reissue you know a couple of my chat books that were handmade you know in the style of like a you know uh, print on demand press i guess and 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 then he also said that he wanted to try to see if he could get me to come up with like a longer, you know, a longer um, manuscript and and uh, see where it goes with that. That's all um, very, very much kind of in the in the brainstorming stages. But, yeah, I mean, I think that if I if I have something concrete to look ahead to, say a deadline, then I can we'll see. Maybe I'll be able to, maybe I'll be able to like put aside some of my fucking psychotic self-loathing and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, just pick like, you know, I just don't know why it's so difficult. All I have to do is just say, all right, what's the 50, what are the 50 best things that I've written in the past <laughs> two years? I've got, I've got it all in one folder. Just pick it and go through it and just say it's just say fuck you <laughs> just say fuck you you're going in this thing and then i'm never going to look at you again and i'm doing it to just to say that i've been able to uh you know crest that hill and then i can go back to the thing that i actually like doing which is just like the daily like chipping away at it and just getting to spend time with ideas and fuck around with words. That's the thing that I actually like, but you know, it is, it is worth following that stuff through to the end. It just, man, it takes a goddamn long time. I don't understand people who are so like, I don't know, like, like guided by voices. I know that's the first thing that come that comes to mind. Yeah. Some people are like, I have a band. My band has, 50 albums and there's 50 <laughs> songs on every album. It's like, yeah. It, yeah. Like, it doesn't make one, sense. Yeah. I published one poem and 72 hours after it's published, I've completely disavowed it. You know, that's how I yeah. feel. So. Yeah. I'm the same way, man. If I can find like one phrase or one word, even in that poem that I can like be, be okay with, I'll be, I'll be doing well. Uh, but rarely am I satisfied with the whole thing for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's sick. I mean, one thing about Wizard Clip, too, and like just the poems that you read in the intro there, I think it's I don't know. Correct me if if uh, if I'm wrong here, but there's like an atmospheric kind of feel to all of it. Would you agree? Like, is that something that you kind of like maybe atmospheric is is the wrong kind of word because it sounds kind of uh no i no i think you're totally right because what i'm i think there there that is like a commonality and the type of music that i'm interested in and and the type of writing that i like is that like uh i am more interested in in like tone and voice and like shapes of sentences and more concrete stuff um in poetry than I am in, you know, things that are trying to show me things that are more serious or more cerebral. I mean, I just, I just really like, um, you know, uh, playing with phrases and, and just, yeah, there's like so much of what I write is pretty, uh, subjective or even the stuff that I write that's more like flash fiction that's more narrative 
even then the narrative to me like the actual story is less important than just like using the narrative structure as a way to play with different kinds of sentences right totally and um yeah with the type of music that i like um i love instrumental music of all sorts and so obviously like the thing that i was going to go and make was going to be an instrumental record and i wanted to do that for forever and it's the same thing it's like like uh I'm not really interested in 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 um, anything that's super conceptual or anything that um, I just want. I just want I wanted that record to be a nice little uh, a slice of uh, you know. The thing is, is that those compositions on that record aren't even really aren't even really all that composed. They're they're just tunes that have a couple of parts that go around and around and around. And and then that's what you get. And so in that case, you are kind of working more with like an atmospheric effect of, mm-hmm. you know, drone and repetition and that sort of thing. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that that um, that's totally part of what's going on with it. I just I just love like I love the sound of words. I love the shapes of sentences um, and the same thing in, in music. I just love, love finding an interesting phrase and just letting it kind of run and go over and over instead of feeling like I have to construct something that's got some kind of a compositional arc, you know, um, totally. like I'm some kind of fucking composer of music, which I'm, which I'm not, you know, I just, I noodle around and sometimes I like a couple of bits of something and I'll, you know, squash them together and then I'll call that a tune, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and I mean, like the way you describe it and the way you talk about your work, one thing I really appreciate and that I find super refreshing, um, is that your work. So it doesn't take itself so serious. Uh, and it's something that I really value and I think is super important in, in poetry. Cause there's a lot of stuff out there that you can just, you know, that that's like trying to tell you something or leading to some sort of epiphany and things like that, which are not necessarily bad things. Uh, but one thing that I really like about your work is just how it it remains kind of in this space that feels very real, feel, feels very natural. And if sometimes that's funny or if sometimes that's sad or if sometimes it's just kind of, uh, uh, you know, like a day to day experience, then so so be it. So yeah, I really appreciate that about your work. Is that something that you like consciously um, have kind of like tuned into or you have that like kind of thought with yourself where you're like, I'm not gonna like assume that I'm not going to be too serious here. I'm not going to take myself too serious. I I think, I think that there is like, there is uh, some conscious um, decisions that I make to kind of maintain some detachment when I'm, when I'm writing and, um, I, and and I'm and if it comes off as being totally natural and and conversational or whatever, that's great. But I'm also not really concerned if it doesn't come off as being supernatural either, because, um, you know, I, it, sitting down and writing a poem like it it is artifice, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, so. For me, like, there's nothing like it, you're, you know, uh, Tony, Tony Hoagland's got a great essay about, about, you know, um, like rhetorical voice and poetry and saying that, like, you know, if you want to uh, affect a voice or if you want to be very obvious in the way that you're using a certain type of language in a poem and you want people to see the artifice of what you're doing, that like that's fine because you're already doing that you know you're not just sitting and having a conversation with somebody you're taking elements of all the words and shit that you have swirling around in your brain and you're going to say i'm going to make a poem now right and so um i think that i i do like cultivate some detachment and i definitely try to cultivate some some humor and some and some um you know, kind of wise cracking, um, uh, moments. I'm kind of, that is sort of naturally my personality, but, um, yeah, I do try to cultivate that. And sometimes the thing, stuff that I write 
it does seem like it comes out very natural in, in like a conversational, relaxed way. And then some stuff I write, I feel like I am really thinking about um, a balance between le- uh, language that feels natural and language that feels kind of stilted on purpose. Um, and, um, and I, and I, and I'll just freely admit that, you know, there's, there's like a detached sort of, uh, skeptical, um, you know, um, smart ass sort of tone that runs through a lot of what I do. And that is, it's a device and I'm totally happy for people to like see that it's a device because the whole fucking thing is a, is a, is a, is an apparatus, you know? Yeah, it's absolutely. Fine. It's fine to acknowledge it and, and to use it to your advantage. Um, I think I was saying, somebody was saying to me yesterday, they were talking about my, my friend. She said to me, I, I wrote this thing. Um, and when I was a junior in high school and I ended up, uh, you know, taking it to I think she said that like it was like a free workshop with Colson Whitehead um somewhere in New York City um where where uh, she grew up and and she was like yeah you know like it's a, it, it you know I was 16 it, it was all style it was all style and no substance and I was like man I love style over substance yeah <laughs> a lot of the time especially with poetry like if you're just doing something cool with the shape of a sentence or with just kind of juxtaposing different things and it's kind of really gobbledygook at its core, but it looks and sounds uh, pleasing, like I'm kind of all in for that, you know? Yeah, just- yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, like it doesn't have to be flooded with substance. I think that's kind of a mischaracterization. or it often, I think one thing you said is like maybe even just being aware of it just being like artifice or an apparatus to kind of talk through and just being able to admit that to yourself, I think is really admirable because it makes your work really like authentic, I would say, or honest in a way that feels refreshing. So yeah, I think that's sick. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, I have, I have, uh, I've got tattoos on my arms and sometimes people will be like, all right, well, what do they mean? I'm like, they don't mean anything, nothing. And they're like, they don't mean any. And I'm like, no, they don't mean shit. I just wanted to, I like the way they look. It was something that an artist drew. And I said, give me that fucking tattoo. Like I just, I, I, I think that, uh, there's so much to be had, uh, you know, so much to be enjoyed just in like the beauty of sounds and words and images in and of themselves that, if you're enjoying what you're doing and trying to conjure those things up and arranging them in a certain way, then the substance, like that is what the substance is, is that you're getting, uh, getting to look, you're getting a, a, a look into what somebody's process is or what somebody's process looks like after they've, you know, sat with it and manipulated it. Right. Um, I don't know like really good poems that you read where you feel like it's, it's actually something that's happening, you know, on the page in front of you, instead of something that, uh, something, uh, brilliant that was arrived at and then kind of uh, packed up and mailed away to become the poem thing. Um, so yeah, I just feel like there's all the substance that you could ever want just in playing with voice and syntax and just fucking around with what a sentence looks like. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, that's a, I think we're right at the top of the hour. So, uh, yeah, that's a great place to kind of stop um, and kind of reflect. But you got anything like you're working on or like anything you want to promote? Um, yeah. Um, so once again, um, wizard clip and that's clip with two P's. Um, that's on Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes. It's easy to find. Uh, I've got a website, uh, www.kchesser.com where that's got a links to stuff that I've published online. Uh, the last thing that I did, the most significant, uh, published thing that I did, was uh, like a like a hybrid like a long hybrid thing that I published on Doctor Doctor 
called Elegy on Pearl Mountain, which is like a story written partially in prose and partially in poetry. And um, it was serialized over the course of about a year, once a month. And so that's out there on Dr. Doctor. There's links to it on my website. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, all I'm doing right now is just kind of, a, um, you know, pretending like I'm going to uh, have the energy to assemble a manuscript sometime this year. Um, I think I'm going to pretend the same thing with you. I can't, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to indulge that illusion because indulging the illusion is the very, very best part of almost anything, honestly. So. Chesser and I live in Thomas, West Virginia, and I'm going to read some poems for you. And this first one is called Passing Time With You. Passing time with you is grand. Oh, it's a monkey's game. Passing time with you at the discount furniture outlet. Passing time with you while we both hold our breath. Passing time with you must be what I've been waiting for. I waited while it hid in the ragged sleeves of the earth. Passing time with you and our families, our families and their arguments and the spittle hitting the air. Passing time with you feels medieval, minus the straw floors and dead bodies. Well, some dead bodies. Passing time with you, I feel like a man who's been taught how to fish, but not how to swim. Oh, it's a sailor's game, all this passing time with you. You help me to remember to floss twice. Passing time with you like there's no tomorrow. Passing time with you like there's no yesterday. Passing time with you like today is the last can of beans in the cupboard. Passing time with you, I lied and told you I was an Aries, and you said that explains a lot. Passing time with you, always adding to my apologia. Passing time with you in the great cities of Appalachia. Passing time with you, head is heavy, heart sprung a big break. Passing time with you at the George Jones Museum. Yes, there is such a thing as the George Jones Museum. Passing time with you is nothing compared to passing time with you. Tell those oily birds to get the fuck off of my porch. I can't get anything done with those oily birds all over my porch. Passing time with you, my head's a balloon, let it go. Passing time with you and the ghosts of our engines. When we are together, time kills itself. What to do with your wealth? Title still in progress. I woke up this morning and discovered that I was wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. But how? I quickly determined this wasn't important in the sense that nothing is important, so all the better to get there fast. Secondly, I determined that I was determined to spend my wealth on useless things because the way to change a useless thing into a useful thing is to buy it. But before I could do any of that, I needed to get the shovel out of the garage and leave it in the rain because a shovel looks so good sitting out in the rain. It's the rain that gives it a mind of its own. And then I needed to check my bird feeders. No birds anywhere, as I'd forgotten to fill the feeders for months. This absence also seemed to have its own mind, one made sharper by the rain falling harder and harder by the minute. Feeling caught up, I checked my weather app. 
Rivers to flood stage in one hour, it said. Grab belongings and flee like fleas. Well, this is just fine, I thought, as towns upstate, which were not about to be underwater, had some of the finest goods, goods much finer than any I've ever been able to find around here. But first I needed to find my keys so I could place them in a hole in the ground. It's the time spent underground that gives keys their magic power to start a vehicle or open doors. While I was waiting, I packed my bags. Toothbrush, check. Socks, check. Smaller bags to be inserted into larger bags, numbering in the thousands, just as God and nature intended. But before I could finish packing, I remembered I needed to burn my house down. Burning one's house down with all of one's wealth and one's entire body inside it is the only way to keep warm during a flood. The Governor and the Pig The governor had been busy all day trying to wrangle a pig. The pig had seven names. The pig said, all you have to do is speak my seven names one time each, and you can do whatever you want with me. Pick me up and take me wherever. The governor was not about to speak even one of the pig's names, let alone seven. The governor wanted to wrangle the pig on his own terms. As night fell on the state wrangling grounds, it became clear neither were going to give in. But I am so tired, thought the governor, the pig having the same thought. No one was around. Not even the moon was watching. Eventually, fatigue overtook them, and they fell into a dangerous sleep out in the elements. An aide found them the next morning, being picked at by birds of carrion. Seven birds, and not a single name between them. Fan Club I wake up to the sound of cheering outside my window. I pull back the curtains and see a crowd of people standing in the yard, waving signs that say, way to go, and you did it. I open the window and ask, what's all this for? Way to go, someone yells. You did it, yells another. Yes, but what did I do, I ask again. They all take one step forward. This is a, a poem about something very near and dear to my heart, date night. Love date night. The basics of the uh, the basics of date night is what this is called. <clears throat> First, make sure your date is alive. Check for a pulse under the jaw or around the wrists. Just because your date's eyes are closed does not necessarily mean they're dead. They might be sleeping. A good way to rouse a sleeping person is to throw water in their face or stand over them and bang a pot. Once you are sure your date is awake and, for all intents and purposes, alive, the next step is to agree on what will take place during your date. It is common for dates to be romantic in nature. Romance, which is often a prelude to sex, and sometimes even occurs during sex, is not a state of matter, but a process, like fire. It can be achieved in public or private. But not all dates need be romantic from start to finish. A visit to an alligator farm or historic battlefield may not be explicitly romantic in itself, but will add contrast and depth to more romantic scenes that might unfold later. Those looking for a more traditional experience might consider a restaurant, as many restaurants are considered romantic. The issue with restaurants, however, is their tendency to stimulate conversation. In the event that talk steers toward the singularity or the living wage or some combo thereof, try to put things back on a more neutral heading. If you are unsuccessful, you must give your date a reason to wish to no longer be seen in public with you. Commencing to heavy drinking will bring this about in a pinch, but the downside is, is, is it's expensive. And there is also precedent for faking an illness in this scenario, but the risk to one's ego, if not believed, is beyond measure. As a last resort, cons consider checking one or both of you into the hospital. Some might argue that a hospital is even less romantic than a pond full of gators or a battlefield, despite the fact that hospitals are full of heavy breathing and clever outfits. And unlike in a restaurant, 
Those who come by to check on you do not expect to be tipped. Back to the land. Ants run up the leg of a scarecrow. The scarecrow says, oh, that tickles. Our business with you is very serious, say the ants. It should not tickle. I'm on fire. Please have mercy on me, the scarecrow says. The ants don't say, that's more like it, because, like what? It's hard work, a life up against the land. Uh, one more for you. Forgot uh, that I even wrote this one um, until, like, this afternoon when I was going through stuff to to read for this uh slightly different tone from the other ones i guess something a little different to end on maybe in order to make a home on earth in order to make a home on earth set limits accept setbacks take on disappointments like passports but instead of going stay let all things choose you hold steady show them your eyes and your hands be a good lover, but stagger that goodness with oceans of aloneness. Lose track of months and mail. Watch unopened envelopes pile up where you might otherwise plant the flag of thought. Spend the birds in your pocket on warm bread, lantern oil, and songs for others. 